0: You know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Storch Show. Let's go. Welcome to The Andy Storch Show. I'm your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you are joining me today. As usual, we are on a mission to starve our fears, follow our dreams, and pursue fulfilling our true potential. That's what I am doing all the time, and I'm always looking to bring great guests on the show to share some inspirational content, their stories, uh, things they have going on. And today, I'm very happy to be joined by John Stonkey, who is a husband, a father of four kids. He's a speaker, a counselor, a trainer, a coach. He's a pastor, and uh, he's also an author of multiple books on Leadership, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and uh, with another one coming in spring 2021, and I'm excited to talk to you about all those things, John.
1: So welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. I'm glad to be here.
0: Really good to have you on. We connected through our mutual friend Vincent Buglisi, who um, you're in his Total Life Freedom group that I've been in for a few years now, and always attracts really great people. And uh, I heard what you were doing, and I knew we had to connect. Uh, there are things that we don't have in common. Um, like where you spend a lot of your time with the church and the Bible and all those things. I tend right. to be more of a secular, uh, non-religious type person, but many things that we do have in common. And uh I'm interested to dive in a lot of those. Also, a couple of things I learned from uh stalking you on Facebook right before this. <laughs> <laughs> you and my wife had the exact same birthday, July 18th. Do we she's a July 18th baby? July 18th. Yep, there you go. All right. Um, what was the other one? I think you got married. The same month that I graduated high school. So okay, that's, that's something. Um, and there was something else I can't remember. We're both podcasters. I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's. But let's go into it. So tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself, John. Who are you? What do you do? How did you get into that?
1: Um, yeah, so uh, I've been uh, pastoring for 22 years, and and um, in the midst of that, first of all, I didn't. <laughs> I'm not one of those people that grew up wanting to be a pastor. You know, I didn't, I didn't grow up thinking that this is what I was going to do. None of that. But then, um, you know, I try and prioritize listening to the voice of God. And it became very clear to me that this is something that he wanted me to do. And other people in my life confirmed that. So that's what I did. But I grew up in um, a family business. We had a family grocery store. It was something that was started by my great-grandfather, and his name is the same as mine. So, so here's a little known fact. I'm the fourth. So I'm actually, you know, John stongi the fourth, my great grandfather, John stongi senior started a grocery store and then junior took it over. And then my dad is the third. He took it over from him. And I grew up as a, a kid working in the family business, exposed to entrepreneurship and uh, saw all of that and just figured I would do something in that lane. But as a teenager, it started to become clear to me that I wasn't shaped to take over the grocery store. It wasn't really my passion. And I remember having the sad conversation with my dad, telling him that I wasn't going to be the next John Stongy to take over the grocery business. (laughs) And uh, so that was a bit challenging. He he wasn't too happy about that, but he accepted it. And I initially thought I was going to be a history teacher because I love speaking and teaching Mm -hmm. and and have always been fascinated with history. And in fact, went to college to become a history teacher, but part-time or uh, partway through my time in college, a uh, local church hired me to oversee their youth program. And the more I got involved there, and then I started speaking for the pastor when he would go away on vacation, the more it became clear to me that that's what I was supposed to be doing. And so for 22 years, I've been doing that, but I never lost the entrepreneurial bug. And so on this side, and I think my church thinks this is entertaining, and my friends certainly do, um, it, they, they they joke with me that I've always got something cooking. There's always something yeah. going on, you know, either I'm writing something or recording something or, or doing something like that. So I always have something going on on the side. A lot of people have hobbies like watching their favorite TV shows, but I can't sit and watch TV. I just can't do yeah, it. Me uh, it loses me immediately. I've got to be doing something. So in the evenings I'm writing or recording or doing something fun like that. So that's yeah. the nutshell, you know, I, uh, of, of, you know, kind of like my main things and my side things. But then some of the side things have really started to catch on, thankfully.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I've always got something going, multiple things going. My problem is trying to stay focused on one. <laughs> right. um, and, and you may deal with that too. Uh, and I'm sure, and I get a question often that you may get as well, I would guess, which is, hey, you've got a, a job, right? <laughs> a business. You also teach, I think, on the side. Uh, I do. You, right? You've written books you host three podcasts yep. and you have four kids at home. So yep. the question I often get because I host two podcasts and have two kids and I'm a, I like to think of myself as a dedicated father is how do you have time for all this stuff? So how do you make time for all this stuff? We already heard one tip, which is don't watch Netflix.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's actually the biggest tip. Be- people have no idea how much time they waste in front of a, a, a TV Um, but all the things that you listed are things that don't feel like work to me. Yeah. You know, it's not like I'm doing any of these things because people are making me do it. No one makes me be a father to my kids. You know, No one makes me write uh, anything down. No one makes me record these podcasts. I would just rather do that than, you know, other ways to entertain myself. Like that's how in some ways you could say that's my entertainment but I'm, I'm trying to produce something that I hope will be beneficial to somebody. I find more joy in that than just sitting there staring at the TV, although there is one exception to yeah. the TV thing, and that's, that's that. when the Philadelphia Eagles are playing. When the Eagles are playing, <laughs> I'm watching, and uh, I never consider those three and a half hours a waste of time, even we, if it's a bad game. We
0: do have so much in common. It's so funny because I grew up a, a huge sports fan, and, nice. I, and all through my 20s I would watch tons of sports, and I had this revelation in my 30s, and I was like, oh, my God, this is such a waste of time. Like, what am I doing? I have all these other things I want to do. And so I pretty much eliminated all sports from my life. I consider most of that to be a waste of time, except for I'm a college football fan. I went to the University of Florida undergrad. So 10 Saturdays a year, I watch the Florida Gators play football. And I consider that to Absolutely. be a very productive use of time. It is. Uh, but, but any other time, I don't watch the NFL. I don't watch the NBA, any of that stuff. Right. You know, maybe the Super Bowl. That's it. It just doesn't fit in. I got other things to
1: do. I'm with you. Yeah. And I I think, I think the combination of just saying I'm going to eliminate unnecessary time wasters Mm -hmm. and I'm going to use that time on things that I actually think are productive, that I truly enjoy doing. You know, the things that you listed there do not feel uh, usually, I mean, sometimes you're in the slog of trying to finish something or sometimes you create an artificial deadline for yourself that you say, I promised Myself, I'd get this finished today. So, some of those things can feel a little like work sometimes, but most of the time they don't feel like work. I, yeah. I, I usually find myself saying, I'm really glad that I get the opportunity to do this.
0: Right. And if you start some things, you, you give yourself obligations, right? I started this book. I really should finish it. Or, <laughs> yeah. you know, I've been hosting this podcast for a while. People rely on it or listen to it or right. love it. Um, I, I should do it. And I'm sure there's days when less excited than others, but these are all things you enjoy doing. You said you don't have to do any of these things. The funny thing that is that, you know, one of the things I like to talk about is that most people, most things in life that people say, I have to do this, or they feel like they have to do it are not things that they actually have to do.
1: Right. Yeah. There's either somebody, some external pressure that somebody, you know, they're afraid of them looking at them disapprovingly or, or, uh, you know, some sort of narrative they've built up in their mind where they think, that it has to be done and you kind of step back a little bit. And sometimes it's nice to take a vacation, just kind of reassess, you know, what do I really need to be doing? What, what do I have to do? Cause I've done that. I've been that person telling yeah. myself I have to do this and do this and do this. I remember at one point I, I took my family down to Florida. This was in 2006 and I had so many things on my plate that I think I was doing because people expected me to do it. Mm-hmm. And I remember during that time, I just got so much clarity on what I should do and shouldn't do. And I came home from that vacation and chopped a whole bunch of things one at a time out of our schedule. And it was one of the best things for me personally, and one of the best things for my family. And it had a big impact. But I think many of us spend a huge portion of our life just thinking we have to do something, yeah. whether it's really something we have to do at all, yep. or whether it's or not, right? Based on others'
0: expectations, right? Trying to yeah. please others' Um, when it may not ne- necessarily serve us or, or um, and be a great thing for us. So you, you got into pastoring. You've been doing that for many years. How right. did the first podcast come about?
1: Um, 2015 is when – at the very end of 2015 is when I released um, my first podcast. And, um, well, I guess I should say in the fall of 2015. But what had happened earlier that year – I had, had, I had gone through a very difficult stretch as a pastor where um, I had just, it, just experienced a few things job-related that were very difficult to deal with, and I was feeling emotionally very low. Mm-hmm. I was feeling very discouraged. Uh, I was beating myself up a lot about just all, all sorts of things, and even questioning w- whether or not I, I was still even good at, at doing this. You know, I just, I started thinking to myself, like, maybe I've done what I can and, and uh, I'm just discovering the limits of what I'm able to do. And, and I need to accept that. Um, I had, you know, been on the receiving end of just some really unhelpful criticism and, and mm. stuff like that. I was just feeling discouraged. And um, in the midst of that, I discovered podcasts. I hadn't really listened to them a whole ton prior to 2015. I knew they existed. But just kind of on a whim, the one day I just decided to search for a podcast um, that was about earning forms of passive income. You know, I just hmm. searched for passive income. Yeah, uh, or pers- I was like personal finance, passive income is something I put in the the uh, you know the feed there. Yeah, and I found some stuff related to that. And I started listening to it. And because it was so different from what my day to day life as a pastor is like, I found it refreshing. I just found it useful. And then I started listening to podcasts about sports biographies Hmm. and listening about other people's lives helped me not to overthink my own life and overthink my own problems. And it was helping me sleep better at night. It was helping me find moments of respite during the day. It just was a useful thing for me as far as where I was at mentally and emotionally. And then as that year stretched on, I started thinking to myself, there are some things that maybe I should put together that other people might be interested in. Maybe instead of just consuming podcast content, Mm -hmm. I should create some podcast content. And uh, I I used to be uh, a radio announcer years ago. That was a side thing that I did when I was pastoring up in Northeast Pennsylvania. And so I was familiar with recording and the nature of all of that. And I've been doing voiceover as a side income at the time uh, as well. And so I thought, you know what? I have some of this equipment I know how to record. I'm just going to start making podcasts and figure out where to put it. So for about 20 episodes, I created a leadership podcast and uh, and put it out there. And then it, as I got to episode 20, it you know people talk about pod fading, you know yeah. where your podcast starts where you start realizing like I've kind of run out of topics. And it wasn't right. an interview based show, so I was trying to just build content based on my own personal experience but i was running out of things that stood out to me to share so i turned that content into a book and then paused from recording for a couple months but then it occurred to me that i was looking for a podcast that provided the bible in chapter by chapter formats not not long stretches but just a little bit at a time that i wanted to be able to consume because I have a habit of reading one chapter of the Bible every morning. So mm-hmm. I wake up, read a chapter, then start your day. And I thought, I wonder if some people would find it useful. I wondered particularly if my kids would find it useful if I just recorded that and released it as a podcast. And I thought, well, let me clean it up a little bit and make it actually sound somewhat professional and just release it big, not just for my kids. And so I started doing that at the very end of 2015 and, um, and then that led to some other podcasts and, and I just discovered it was a real, uh, joy to produce that content. So that's kind of like how that happened, but it actually happened because I was feeling emotionally like garbage at the start yeah. of 2015 and, and, uh, kind of work my way back to, you know, starting to feel good about things again by the end of that year.
0: That's amazing. And, uh, you know, we all go through those lows and challenges and, um, hopefully, you know, we, we turn those into opportunities. Um. I've benefited so much over the years from listening to podcasts. I probably started back in 2011 and used to listen to sports, a lot of stuff on investing. Uh, I was just catching up with a friend yesterday talking about uh, investments and the stock market, and realized I bought a lot of stocks based on recommendations from a podcast I used to listen to uh, from the Motley Fool. And all of them have made really good money. Nice, uh, you know. So podcasting has made me money even before I started nice. own, before I started my own <laughs> podcast. Um, and then started my first podcast back in 2017, I think, um, uh, to, to share more of that voice. And it's interesting, so you started the, the Bible podcast, which just seems like a great idea, almost a no brainer. Like people, m- you know, millions of people either read or aspire to read the Bible. Why not make it easy for them? Uh, and you said you've been, you've continuously done that now. And it just passed, I think 3 million downloads. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Just on Monday, it hit its 3 millionth download. And, uh, yeah just continue to produce it as a daily show it's it's every day and um and yeah ever since december of 2015
0: i have a question about that maybe maybe this is ignorant i don't know um but the bible is is a book that has right. an ending right so how do you right. keep that going i would imagine <laughs> at some point you you finish the book. Do you start over again with different commentary? Is that kind of how it works?
1: It it uh so the way each episode structured, it, uh, I read a chapter and then I and then I pray at the end of the mm-hmm. chapter related to the content in it, and um and so once I finished the book, you know, once I finished it, it took a little over three years to finish it. Wow. Um, doing it a, mostly a chapter at a, at a time. Some chapters are short, and I actually combine them. So uh could have taken a little longer than that, but it it was, um, uh, yeah, it took a little over three years. And then once I finished it, then I realized that some of the early chapters, when I'd recorded them, I hadn't really found a rhythm or like a flow yet that I developed later on for how I was or- orchestrating each episode. And I thought, let me re-record those. And people asked me, now that you're done recording the whole Bible, what are you going to do? And I just decided let's just do it all again. Like, let's just Run keep it back, doing it because saying, of course. people like it showing up in their feet every day. You know, it mm-hmm. just, it shows up fresh. And so, um, you know, I, I started re-recording some of that early stuff and, and, um, and just doing it all over again.
0: Cool. So I'll get back to a question that I asked you before we started recording. And okay. uh, I have a habit of, I love networking and talking to people and learning stuff. And I have a habit of, sometimes starting a conversation that goes on too long before I hit record and missing <laughs> valuable information. So I asked you this question, I cut you off. Uh, we'll start over because a lot of my listeners are fellow entrepreneurs, one entrepreneurs yeah. doing things on the side, podcasters, things like that. Uh, so I asked you, you know, have you monetized that either directly or indirectly? How do you take advantage of, you know, if that's the right word, right? The, the audience that you've
1: built. Um, yeah. And, and what I was uh, sharing before, I, I didn't feel right about monetizing a reading of the Bible. Not that there'd be anything inherently wrong with that. You know, it's not like there's something wrong with that. But for whatever reason, I just didn't feel comfortable doing that. And so I didn't monetize it and still haven't. Um, you know, I don't sell ads or anything like that. Um, but the nice thing about it is I have a blog, I have a website you know, I have different things. I think people listening to the podcast, they also tend to visit my website and on the website, there are things that they can utilize or certainly things that they can, uh, resources that they could purchase and, and things. And so, it, um, and there's people that pay to advertise on the website and, and stuff like that. Um, so in that sense, it does help, uh, in, in an entrepreneurial sense, earn me, some income through directing traffic to my website, but the podcast itself, even when I was getting it going i I wondered you know should I try and monetize this? I just never wanted to i just I just wanted it to be free and uh, just to, to to give it to people for free and ho- hopefully it would be a blessing to them and hopefully it would be encouragement to them and I felt like you know what there'll be there'll be benefits i'm sure that come into my life on the back end of this on the other side, and even if there wasn't just the joy of producing something that I, yeah. I felt was a, a good thing to produce and something that was helping people. I felt good doing it. And, um, I really wasn't focused on the finances of it.
0: Yeah. But oh, the I,
1: truth is there have been financial benefits that have come from it through other things.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to talk about that. And I take the same approach with this show, which is uh, tiny compared to that, but <laughs> no sponsors or ads. Uh, so what are the benefits? What, what have you gained from the podcast?
1: Um, as far as like entrepreneurial type benefits, right. For your your business, for your life, for your finances. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. Like I I never realized what kind of doors would open as a result of that. I was just trying to be generous and, uh, you know, the, the neat thing is, um, you know, in recording that I also started writing more Mm -hmm. and so, uh, producing more book content and, um, you know, as people found the podcast helpful, Uh, They started utilizing some of the things that I was writing on the blog or some of the books. I started recording several other podcasts that have a similar theme but are a little bit different. Um, That gave me the opportunity to serve others. I've received invitations to speak, invitations to lead webinars and speak for different events related to that. Um, You know, there are companies that have requested now that the website and the blog get good search traffic. Uh, and are ranked Google sent me something the other day that there's 14 of my pages that for their search terms rank number one in Google on that specific term. If someone wow. goes to it, I got the report the other day that cool. took years to build up. You know, that right. wasn't like an overnight thing. It was just yeah. years of putting content out that people found helpful, but people pay to advertise on that now. And so that's certainly uh, a helpful thing. But one of the the really interesting things that came out of all of this Uh, just a few months ago, I was offered a book deal with Penguin Random House. And uh, they they gave me the opportunity to pitch them on my next book. They asked for a book proposal on my next book and they liked the concept and offered me a, a contract to write with them. So if you asked me at the end of 2015 i mean even when you go back to the early part of 2015 when i was just feeling sorry for myself and yeah. truly feeling a bit depressed that if you told me that in 2020 these would be the things that you'd be asking me questions about i would have been shocked absolutely shocked because it just happened so gradually one little piece at a time and and you know one thing would work and then that would lead to another and uh, i'm grateful that these things are all clicking, but they definitely didn't happen overnight. And, um, and you know, they all tend to feed each other and kind of, you know, work with kind of the same theme.
0: Sure. Yeah. The podcasts, the books, um, how have the books done for you? You've published, how many books have you
1: published on your own? A little over 20,
0: over 20 books.
1: Yep. Yeah. Some are short and some are long. They're not all like 300 page books, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I have to look, and there's this will crack you up, but I've got several on my computer. I've never published, but they're totally <laughs> written. I just haven't done anything with them yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a little. I think might be might be twenty two or twenty three, and um, and you know, some are brief, some are long. Uh, but they've they've done well. You know, that's um, you know, some do better than others. But there are some that one of the shortest books I, I wrote has been one of the more popular books that I wrote. You know, I, I wrote one particular book on overcoming anxiety hmm. uh, that I wrote in the course of one week, you know, from start to finish. Yeah. It was written in one week and it's brief. It's not a long book. It's l- less than 100 pages. And, um, and that seemed to um, be, I didn't anticipate it becoming one of my more popular books, but it yeah. ended up becoming a bit more popular. That's amazing. And how many
0: that's, uh, so what does popular mean? Like how many copies would you say you've sold maybe of that book?
1: I, I could look and, and tell you a specific number. I don't remember a specific number off the top of my head, but I I will say that it sells just about every day and it's sold, you know, I, I, it's, it usually sells at least a copy every day and has for um, uh, maybe about six years. You know, it's just, it, it's, you know, and, and it's gone through stretches where there'll be stretches where, you know, 50 copies will go in a day or there'll be stretches where, you know, if it's on a promotion where, uh, it'll get, you know, like the Kindle version of it, will get downloaded. Um, you know, I've had certain days where the Kindle version was downloaded more than a thousand times just in one day. Uh, you know, when it was on a promotion, you know, it wasn't at full price or anything like that, but on a promotion and, um, and so that one's done really well, and some of the devotional books that I've written have done uh, decently well too.
0: That's amazing. And where do you get the content for all these? Is it research based? You, you kind of like based on your own experience and knowledge of different things, the podcast, where, where does it come from?
1: Um, so most of what I write is in the faith-based space. Yeah. You know? uh, so a lot of, most of the time the ideas that I get to write on a specific topic, either come from something I'm speaking about in the context of preaching in in my church context here and utilizing something that I've worked on to speak about, Um, or sometimes some of the books that that I've written, they've come out of counseling sessions where I've been working through certain things with people uh, that have come to me for counseling, and I've realized that this is something I need to write down because it might be helpful to somebody else. It was helpful in this context to this person or that person. And and it'll be the germination of an idea that becomes a book because it's an idea that I want to elaborate on. I have one particular book uh, that came out of um, these group labs that I used to lead at a college nearby. Um, I I have a, a, my master's degree is in counseling. And so sometimes I teach counseling or, or lead group labs in uh, a, a local university and um, in those labs, I realized that many of the people that were there, many of the students were dealing with just an oppressive amount of negative self-talk where they would tell themselves things that aren't healthy right. or true at all, but they live right. their whole life like it's true. Yep. And so I wrote a book on overcoming negative self-talk that was huh. inspired by leading those counseling labs yep. where I realized that so many of the students that were coming to us were really, really wrestling with that.
0: Hmm. What's the number one? takeaway on uh, or piece of advice on getting over negative self-talk?
1: So I, like I said, I approach everything from a spiritual standpoint. And Mm -hmm. so this, it it all comes back to what you're preaching to your heart. So if what you're preaching to your heart, so the way I phrase it in the book, if what you're preaching to your heart aligns with the truth of the gospel, that cures it. But if what you're preaching to your heart is based on some sort of false belief system or something negative that somebody in your past told you that has nothing to do with who you really are yeah. and how you were designed to be. If you keep repeating that message to your heart, you're just going to destroy yourself. You need yeah. to get back to the truth of the gospel. And so that's the the theme of that book. And And uh, I hope, you know, by God's grace, that it's been an encouragement to some people. I know it was a fun book to write, but those students really inspired that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm asking these questions kind of from an entrepreneurial perspective, like things you put out there and that you're able to make money for your business, whatever, but the impact that you can make from these, you know, having these books out there at the podcast is just immense. It's amazing. Um, So one of the things I love talking about on the show is fear and overcoming fear. One of the things that I think the biggest thing when people hear this, think, oh my God, you wrote books, you put a podcast out, I'd love to do those, but I'm too afraid. That's the biggest thing that holds people back, right? Have right. you dealt with any fear in your, you know, fear of rejection, judgment, all those things as you continue to put out so much content and how have you overcome that fear?
1: Um, when I'm leading uh, public speaking classes, so that's one of the things that I teach, we talk about fear mm-hmm. a lot because that tends to be... Yeah one of the things that people are most afraid of. It's like and the number I remember, one fear, right? Public speaking. Yeah, it's a number one fear, public speaking. And so I remember when I first, so in my role as a pastor, I have to do public speaking all the time. I became a full-time pastor when I was 21. And so mm-hmm. I remember looking out at the church and just thinking, all right, these people are almost all older than me. And some of them, you know, have been doing what they're doing longer than I've been alive. And I'd be terrified and I'd go to bed on, on Saturday nights with a pit in my stomach. And I would wake up on Sunday mornings almost like I had the flu because there, my, like my stomach would just be on fire. I felt so sick to my stomach. And you would think that that would go away right away, and it didn't. Mm. It lasted for years. On Sunday mornings, I would feel I would try and pretend that I was feeling normal and feeling fine, but I was feeling just terrible inside. And then on Sunday afternoons after I finally finished speaking and doing what I needed to do publicly for the day, I would just crash like on a couch or, a, you know, I'd just go to bed at like two in the afternoon. Mm. I would just be so wrecked. And somewhere along the way, and I, I wish I could tell you exactly where I picked this up because there's probably several people that influenced me to think this way, but I don't have a specific um, moment in time. You know, if I had to really pinpoint it actually, as I'm thinking about it, it may have been something that I I heard through John Maxwell or some of the training that I received through him. Mm-hmm. But I was encouraged to focus on the value that you're providing for others, not focused and not focus so much on how you look while providing it. Yeah. So I started to realize that some of my greatest fears came down to being fearful of making a fool of myself in front of a large group of people and making myself look silly or embarrassing my family or right. or just you know, like making it look like I was just like some complete goof. As I was doing what I was doing or getting, you know, uh, tripping up over my words or just saying something embarrassing. And when I flipped that in my mind and thought to myself, okay, don't get up there worried about how you're going to look doing this. Go up there and let your primary concern be, how can I serve the people that are right there in front of me who've carved out an hour of their time to listen to something I have to say? How can you provide something of value for them? How could you serve them? How could you encourage them today? You know, th- their life is hard. They need some encouragement. They need somebody to, to speak a word of hope. That's your job today. You've got to do that today. Provide that for them today. And when I started focusing on giving myself that pep talk of, of do something that, that's going to be valuable for people that have carved out time to spend with you today, totally felt or totally flipped how I felt and, um, and helped me over time to stop being so nervous because I wasn't thinking about, how am I going to look doing this? I started focusing on, how will this help somebody? Mm-hmm. How will this benefit somebody else? And it, it made me not feel fearful anymore. It made me not feel nervous. And, uh, and then the other thing is just the repetition of over time. The longer you do something, the less intimidating it is. So yeah. you know these are things that I've been doing for a, a long enough time now that I've started to feel less nervous. But I'd be lying if I said I never feel some nervous. Yeah. It's just that you feel less nervous and you have to get yourself to the spot. All right, don't focus on yourself. Focus on helping somebody. You help somebody, your focus is on them, not on you. Right. And sure. that, that helps me too yeah, as so a side sh- product. You shift
0: the focus away from yourself. And so I imagine you do the same thing when you put the books out as well. That Absolutely. This is not about judgment of me. It's about how I know this book will help somebody, if yep. not multiple people. And so I need to get it out there
1: yeah, with each chapter I'm writing, I'm thinking as I'm trying to pen it down or outline it, who does this help and how does this help them? And that's that's the where this is coming from, you know, the as far as the content.
0: I like that. And I think that's, you know, as I finished writing my book, the first draft a couple of months ago, um, I, I think that's kind of what, I didn't think about it exactly that way, but that's kind of what my mindset was throughout as I'm writing is like, what do people need to know? I yep. know that I can help them with this who is this going to help? And I had those people in my mind as I was putting it in there, and um, maybe that's why I'm not so nervous about putting my book out there, because I'm doing it to help others. It's not all about me. Certainly, there are stories in there about me, and I want it to help, you know, my business become more successful and that sort of thing. But uh, you know, when you lead with serving first and helping others, then you're probably going to reap benefits. And at the end of the day, the worst that happens, right, is that nobody buys it and you get a couple one star reviews and
1: you know, they're not going to come to
0: your house and burn it down or something.
1: Yeah. And your opinion, and by the way, I can't wait to read your book. I, I saw your uh, working covers and, and the concept and all that, and I'm excited to read it. So I'm cool. going to be a customer when you release it. Thank you. Um, uh, but, and the other thing is like, who you know yourself to be is not based on that one star review. You right. know, you can read that and you are be like, this person doesn't even know me. You know, I know me, like my, my my whole view of myself does not need to be based on the voice of a critic who right. probably isn't producing something. They're just tearing other people down. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so if someone's main skill is tearing other people down, I don't need to be somebody that buys into that.
0: Yeah. I don't and have, there have a to lot think of people that out way there. about
1: myself. A lot of people
0: out there. there are a lot of people out there that make that their their job, which is just it's crazy to me, right? But then there's also a ton of people who want to do more, who want to share their story or some lessons or things like what you and I are doing, but they're afraid of most of them. I think most people are more afraid of judgment from their family or inner circle, but also let fear of the anonymous critic hold them back. And and I get it. Like I'm scared of that stuff too, but you got to just push past it, focus on how you can provide value and help others and get it out there.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Absolutely.
0: So um, as we go to wrap up here, you know, I want to help people um, think about how they can build their own business, career, life in a more intentional way. The book that I'm writing and I'm shifting to more topics on this, starting a new podcast in the near future, um, similar to the book called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. Uh, When you think about this idea of owning owning your career or owning your life, what does that mean to you, John, and, and what advice do you have for people around that subject?
1: So one of my big inspirations is the Apostle Paul. And Paul would go around throughout Europe and Asia planting churches, and he didn't ask people typically for money to do that. He sold tents. He would make tents, and he would sell tents, and he would fund his ministry doing that. And so one of the things that has motivated me as somebody who cares about you know, things in the faith-based space and ministry is I want to be able to do whatever I'm doing and not have to request money for it. I want to be able to speak wherever I want to speak or teach or lead or do whatever and not have to ask to be paid for it, to just do it. And so that motivates me to um, kind of create this, this separate world from my uh, vocation, you would say. Where I'm able to to uh, feed my family through the royalties that I earn from my books, or through advertising on my blog, or or, or whatever it may be, uh, or webinars that people pay me to to teach. You know, I look at that as kind of my form of tent making, and so it I it provides a level of freedom where I'm able to say yes to a bunch of things because money doesn't have to be part of the consideration. Hmm. Be, if I've already got the money piece taken care of then in a, on a moment's notice, if somebody says, hey, we, we'd we like to invite you to help in this way, or we'd like to invite you to do this, I don't even have to ask, uh, You know, does it pay? Or how much does it pay? Or, or whatever. Uh, is that something I could afford to do? Or, or whatever. My goal in doing this is to just, I always phrase it as so that I could be a, truly a free agent, mm-hmm. someone that can just say yes to the opportunities that that are brought before me, that in my conscience, I'm feeling like, I'm supposed to say yes to that. And if I'm supposed to say yes to it, I don't want finances to get in the way of me, me being able to say yes to any opportunity that comes before me. So that's yeah. a big motivation for me. And if I have these things, you know, kind of taking care of our finances on the side, it it just opens up those doors.
0: Yeah. So all the more reason to build a successful business and brand, Definitely. something that you can monetize in the right way right, uh, to be able to feed your family, provide to others and, Allow you the flexibility to go work on what you want to work on and and truly, yeah, overhears.
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I, I've, I've always just really gravitated toward you know people producing content like you're producing and our our friend Vincent uh, because I I think it has applications in so many spheres. Like people tell me uh, when they hear you know that I'm in ministry and that I think about this stuff that it's not what they expect, mm. but I but the funny thing is it, it frees me up to be able to do more ministry. It frees me up to to actually focus on the things that I actually care most about because these other details are are taken care of. And so the counsel that you give and the counsel that that Vincent gives and some of the other people that that speak in that space, it's very useful in a lot of different spheres because it lets you say yes to so many things.
0: Yes. Well, I'm so glad I said yes or we said yes to this interview because uh, there's some great content in here. Um, I want to ask you one bonus question because it sounds like number one, it sounds like every sentence you mention another side project or thing that you're doing. (laughs) I'm like, by God, this guy does a lot of stuff. And, uh, and it sounds like many of the things you've done have been very successful. And sometimes that's intimidating to people as well. So tell me something you've done that that you've completely failed at.
1: Oh boy. Um, side project, whatever it may be. Yeah. Oh no, I, I've done, I, it's, it's a good list. Like I've got a good list of failures. Um, at, at one point I owned. I got licensed by the state of Pennsylvania to be a mortgage broker um, because I really like real estate. And I realized all right, as I was buying rental real estate that uh, I was paying a lot of money to mortgage brokers and fees for something that I knew how to do. And I thought, I know how to do this. I've been through this process. And so I did that and I got licensed by the state of Pennsylvania to do that. And I set up uh, a side business doing that. And it happened right at the time that there was the financial and housing crisis of mm. 2008. So I went through all the licensing to get all that. And every one of the lenders that I got approved to work with, they all went out of business <laughs> and I had to fold up shop. So wow. I was like, all right, um, I guess my idea for this side thing, this is 2006, 2007. Yeah. I, I, had to, I turned my licenses back into the state. It totally flopped. It was like a, a, mm. a total flop. Um, I bought a um, vacation rental property up in the Poconos that did really well. And then I thought, I'll buy a second vacation property. This is a couple of years later in another spot that I thought was going to do really well. And it totally flopped, mm-hmm. partly because we had to move a distance away soon after I bought it. And I ended up selling it and losing money. I mean, I sold it for the same amount I paid for it. That part was good. But when I, um, when I sold it, that was after spending many months paying the mortgage on it and all that. So it was a net loss. I never made a dime uh, in rental income from it. And so that was a total flop. And, um, you know, the, my early podcasting attempts, they flopped, you yeah. know, because I ran out of content. Right. Um, I, I have written, you know, some of my books have done well, but you didn't ask me about my books that have sold no copies, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I have a, I have a few books that I've, I've put out there that I thought were great ideas that apparently I was the only one. <laughs> mm. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like you, you, you just press on anyway. If, you're, if your dialogue with yourself is such that you start calling yourself a failure because you went out there and took a risk, and it didn't work 100% perfectly, that's a terrible thing to say to yourself. Like, Go out and, and try again in, with the knowledge that you have. of, you, you could look at it and say, all right, now I know one thing that won't work, so I'll save myself time for the next thing uh, by process of elimination. And over time, you start to have less failures because you got all your failures out of the way. You got most of them out of the way, and you started to narrow down the things that you're actually good at And then you start building on your strengths instead of discovering your weaknesses over and over again. And so, so yeah, I've had a few, Oh, I didn't even mention this. I once set up a business networking website. This is back in 2000. Uh, when was it? 2008, a business networking website. I spent Uh $12,000 to get this thing going. Whoa. And, uh, and I was like, all right, this is going to be, this is going to be it. And, um, it flopped like it totally flopped. It, I ended up wasting basically all of that twelve thousand plus what I spent to advertise it. It never took off. Wow! It, it did, Like people didn't use it, and I, I was—I don't know what I did wrong.
0: <laughs> did Did <laughs> so, anything come out of that? Because one of the things I was thinking as you were talking is that you know oftentimes we need these failures to lead to other things. You know, we always learn lessons from that. Did anything come out of it, or did you learn anything important from that?
1: Yeah, I I, I learned. Um, really the importance of, you know, you know, the book, like the lean startup and Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, like, uh, not spending a whole ton of money on the front end of things when you're still testing an idea. It saved me so much money on the, uh, you know, in in this season of my life, I had made expensive real estate mistakes. I had made expensive, an expensive mistake with that website and trying to get that business networking website set up. And, uh, I've learned that I can do things much less expensively uh and test it before you know end up wasting you know family finances that I shouldn't be wasting just cuz I thought i had like my next great idea like i don't know if that idea is going to even work it might be my ne- my next worst idea and uh so starting lean is one of the things that i really took from some of those expensive mistakes that $12,000 uh, uh, mistake hurt. That one, that one. That's, hurt. A, that's I, I, a big
0: one. I would be thinking about that one for a while. Yeah. Sure.
1: I, I uh, you could tell it didn't come right back to my mind when you first brought the question up because I've buried it. I don't want to think about it, yeah. <laughs> but no, that was a clunker.
0: But it's cool to see everything that you've accomplished, uh, you know, throughout and since then. And it just proved that, you know, we're going, to, if we try a lot of things, which we need to do um, to be really successful, uh, that we're going to have some failures. We can't let that failure define us. We just need to be able to learn from it, pivot, move on, figure out the next thing and then um, let those lessons build uh, so that you can, you know, create a more successful business.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So we got to wrap things up, John. Uh, Maybe one more piece of advice for anybody out there who is looking to really fulfill their true potential and and get the most out of life.
1: The, I think one more piece of advice I'd give to people if they're willing to take the risk to do some of these things is you don't have to know everything to serve somebody. If you know something, you know something that somebody else doesn't know yet. There's somebody that's a year or two behind you that your experience, your, your wisdom, your trial and error would benefit. And so when you're thinking about who you can help, think about the person that's in the spot you were in two years ago or five years ago. Think about that person, help them get to the spot that you're at now, you got there the hard way, maybe you can help them get there the easy way. Don't think of your audience as being the expert that you're learning from. It's not the expert you're learning from that's your audience. Your audience is going to probably be the person that is you know, where you just recently were two years ago, five years ago, and you can help them find the easier path to get where you are by sharing your wisdom.
0: I love that. And we're all in different places uh, on the mountain, on our journey. Uh, We can all learn from people ahead of us. We can all help people behind us. Um, I'm a big fan of that. Talked about that before. Uh, John, if people want to learn more from you, uh, maybe check out that website. Where should they go?
1: DesireJesus.com. And they'll find all the books, podcasts, all that there. DesireJesus.com.
0: Got it. Uh, John, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show. And I know we're going to have more great conversations from here.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Andy. All
0: right. Take care.